This is episode 431 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Preparing for Hard Times, Six Steps Towards Financial Preparedness. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information on the ebook or the audiobook, click the link in the show notes or come on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we jump into our article, I did receive a comment on episode 430 that I just wanted to, uh, to read to you. Uh, Chip says, wow, great article today. I think it is awesome that the government has realized that three days is not enough to really be prepared. I really enjoyed your commentary about bugging out to a bug out location versus evacuating to somewhere because you don't have a bug out location. Well, Chip, thanks so much for that comment, man. And uh, yeah, hopefully the government is getting on board. And I think it'll help when those of us in the preparedness community talk a little bit more about 14 days versus three days. I think it's just it's going to be important anyway. You know, right now things, uh, I, I guess things in the government and the economy and the perception. So let me say that the perception. I'm trying to find the right words. Seems to be okay. Think that things are okay out there, but right now, you know, we know that nothing really has changed. I mean, you know, we have some changes in in policy and and things like that, but really nothing has changed. And so when you start looking at things, when there's a little hiccup here or there, there's going to be some pain out there and people are going to be, you know, asking questions and they're going to be looking for some answers. So people are going to be coming to preparedness. And, uh, in, in, you know, people are going to be coming and asking questions. They're going to be looking for, for uh, answers. And so hopefully those of us that have uh, websites, that do podcasts, that do YouTube videos and Facebook Lives and all that kind of stuff will be there with information that will help people understand why they need to be prepared and how they need to be prepared and stuff like this. You know, that you need to have a 14-day, uh, you know, at least a minimum of 14 days worth of supplies versus just three days. So hopefully that will get out there. Um, I think it will, and it'll just take a little bit of time, just like everything else. But, uh, you know, it will get out there. So again, Chip, Chip, thanks so much for uh, leaving that comment. And if you'd like to leave comments on any of the episodes, you can always go over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, click on the Episodes tab, and then you'll go and you'll see all the episodes, and you can just leave a comment right there. Speaking of comments... Uh, if you haven't reviewed the Prepper Website Podcast, you can always do that on iTunes. You can leave a, a five-star review or, and leave a comment there, and that's greatly appreciated. I, I see those. Eventually, they come uh, to my dashboard, and I get to see those, and uh, it's just a real big blessing. So uh, it also helps other people out there who are thinking about wanting to click on some the you know prepper website podcast episodes you know when they see those those stars and they see the comments they're more apt to click on that and it helps the algorithms get that out there as well i'm going to try not to do too much commentary on this article at least not as much as i did on yesterday's uh, episode 
Uh, I am starting to feel a little under the weather. I guess maybe I'm starting to get a little worn down. Uh, maybe I need to rest a little bit more, but uh, I'm going to be drinking some chamomile tea, tea here in just a moment with some honey, and uh, hopefully that'll help my throat out a little bit. But, uh, you know, keep me in your thoughts and prayers. But uh, let's go ahead and move forward with our article of the podcast. It comes to us from modernselfreliance.com. And again, the article is entitled Preparing for Hard Times, Six Steps Towards Financial Preparedness. We and many others before us have thought long and hard about how to prepare our homes and families for the worst. We think about natural disasters, human-caused tragedies, and general emergencies. Just as important, perhaps, is the small disruptions to your personal life. Not wide-scale hurricanes, but the loss of a job. There doesn't need to be a terrorist attack for your car to break down and need repairs. Societal collapse is not the only thing that could cause you to want a little extra cash on hand. Financial preparedness is about preparing your finances for the small disruptions and emergencies that come with everyday life. This will be hard for many people, especially those living paycheck to paycheck. But in reality, most people, it seems, are only one to three paychecks away from homelessness. And I would guess that even if it isn't true now in their life, most people could probably point to a time in their life when it was true. All right, so let me, you know, there was a good point made right here. A lot of the times when people come to preparedness or they start thinking about preparedness and stuff like that, they're thinking about the big events, right? Uh, even people who are prepping for hurricanes and stuff like that or, you know, whatever, you know, you can go from hurricanes, natural disasters to all the zombie apocalypse, nuclear war, whatever, right? But a lot of the times we don't consider a job loss, you know, in, in a situation where, the job, you can't find another job that you're able to make the same amount of money that you're making now. That could be a very serious situation for you and your family. So you could find yourself, if you are living paycheck to paycheck, or you are one to two paychecks away from, you know, having to move out of your home or, or losing things and, and electricity being turned off and things like that. That's a pretty scary place to be. And so that is very probable in our current economic situation. I mean, think, you know, you're hearing that there's plenty of jobs out there, but at the same time, if you were to lose your job right now, wherever where you're at, could you possibly go find another job the next day making the same amount of money as you're making, right? Would you have the same benefits? Would you have, you know, all the same same kinds of things that would go along with it? And that's one of those things to be thinking about. You know, that's one of the things to look at your, your business, the company that you work for. Are they financially viable? Are there signs that, you know, that they're straining economically? You know, have they cut back on things? Uh, maybe they're changing some things up so that they can save some money. And those are all kinds of signs to be, you know, in the back of your mind, you should be thinking about. And so financial preparedness is one of those things that's very, very important. You can have all the food and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, that really, really, truly helps out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disparaging that at all. But at the same time, we need to consider our financial preparedness because, you know, money right now, um, you, we're not in the collapse now. We're not in apocalypse right now. Uh, it's not the end of the world as we know it right now. You still need money to operate in this world. And so that's, uh, you know, one of those things that we don't, don't disregard financial preparedness. Don't disregard the importance of what it is. So this article talks about six things, or it says six things for financial preparedness. Actually, I think there's seven. I think it was just misnumbered. So let's go ahead and continue on. The number one or the first one is have extra cash on hand. 
Cash is good to have in an emergency when the bank is closed or when there is a power outage at the ATM. Prepare for power outages here. So there's a couple of links here in the in the article that you can click on definitely. Or even just when you are running late and need cash now. I keep it stashed away. $40 in the back of my phone case, $60 in my glove box, $100 in small bills in my 72-hour bag, $20 in my dresser, mostly for laundry. I didn't go and take out hundreds of dollars in cash all at once. It happened over time over many paychecks. So that's a nice little plan there. You know, one of the things that I have recently, you know, over the, well, I say recently, but over the recent years, when people were talking about the banks and things like that, you want to have some money, you know, here at home somewhere. And if you are blessed to have a, a decent sized savings account, well, then you might want to consider having a little bit more than just, you know, what she's talking about here. Because it used to be where everyone had faith in the economy and faith in the banks and things like that. But if there ever was a time where things got crazy, and a lot of the times people say it would happen over a weekend, right? All of a sudden, Friday, you know, Friday closing time comes and then boom. uh, And then all of a sudden, uh, big announcements are made. And then you're not able to go to the bank. And if you don't have any cash and ATMs get shut down. And I mean, that's what happened in Argentina. That's what happened in Venezuela. You know, that that kind of stuff starts happening where you're not able to, or Greece, I'm sorry, not Venezuela, Greece, uh, Greece and uh, Argentina. It's like, you know, things happen, the banks close up and your ATM, you know, card only allows you to get a small amount. All right. So I already said that I wasn't going to do so much commentary, but here I am giving tons of commentary. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Set aside an emergency fund. Are you one to three paychecks away from homelessness or at least one to three paychecks away from not being able to pay rent? Financial experts say you should aim for at least three months of your paycheck set aside if you lose your job. But really, you should have however many months you think it would take to find another job. If you expect it to take six months to find a new job in your town, then try to save up six months worth of salary. It's really hard, I know, especially with debt. So let me briefly talk on this one here. So this is where, like, for instance, if you lost your job and you did have food storage, let's say you had six months worth of food storage already stocked up. When it comes down to how much money do you really need, like if you have a budget now and you're working off of a budget, your budget is going to include a bunch of different things. But really your emergency fund, when you're talking about paying for, you know, rent and that kind of stuff, paying for for those things, it's really covering the necessities. So again, if you have six months worth of food, then you don't have to worry about paying for food. What you do need to pay for is your rent or your mortgage. You do need to pay for your utilities, right? Because you want to be able to keep the lights on. You want to have water, those types of things. You do need to pay for your gas for your vehicle if you drive a vehicle or, you know, if you are not in a town where you have public transportation and stuff like that. And you're going to need to pay for insurance and things like that. But really, there's, you know, you can get rid of cable. You can get rid of, you're not going to have a food bill. You can get rid of the things that you really don't need so that you can make sure you have, uh, you know, the, the necessities for you and your family. So, 
If it just boiled down to needing to pay your mortgage or your rent and then paying utilities, then you can come up with a good average on that and maybe paying your insurance and having gas money. You know, how much would that be if you were only to save up six months, right? So if you're able to take food off the table or out of the equation, if you're able to take entertainment and cable and, and all going out to eat and all that kind of stuff off the table or out of the budget, you know, how much money would you need? So that's a, a easier number to deal with when you are dealing with six months worth of expenses. All right, so moving on, get out of debt. Getting out of debt is hard. For some people, staying out of debt is hard too. But if we are thinking about hard times ahead, it's much easier to smooth through a job loss in the household if you aren't controlled by debt. I mean, credit cards, car loans, student loans, private loans, etc. Debt traps you and robs you of your freedom. It also robs you of money as you pay interest on the loans. So work at paying down your debt and focus on not creating more debt. I understand you may need a car to drive to work to pay for that car, but you could drive an older car versus a newer car. The older car will cost less in the loan while it burns the same gas and gets you to the same places as the newer car. What about mortgage? Is it good debt versus bad debt? There are folks who think your home is good debt since that money would otherwise be going to a landlord and with a house, you are building equity in the home. However, stop paying your mortgage and the bank comes after you. Housing market crashes and your house is worth less than you own. That isn't good debt. Can't sell the home and your equity is useless, although it is land and they aren't making more of that. There are other folks who say that only good debt is debt you take on to purchase an asset that you make your money. Does your home make you money? Does it provide rent for a tenant or allow you to run a business from within? If it doesn't, it's not making you money and it's a liability. The debate continues. You will have to find what you are comfortable with. All right. So I loved that aspect of debt traps you and robs you of your freedom because I completely believe that. So let's just say, for instance, you lost your job and you didn't have any debt. You could take a job, maybe you come across, or maybe you come across your dream job and you're able to take it. Maybe it pays a little bit less than you're making now, but it's your dream job. I mean, this is like you go to work and it's not going to be work for you. And, but if you're in debt and you need every little last penny, you can't take that job because you're going to have to make as much money as possible. And so you could be stuck in a job that you don't love or you don't like and you're just miserable because you have to have that money, that paycheck. So getting out of debt is is a serious concern. You know, she brought up the car here. If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey on the radio, the thing that Dave Ramsey always tells you is the car cost you too much. Get rid of the car, get rid of the car, get rid of the car. And so that's very, very true. I mean, here in America, we like our vehicles. And in a place like Houston, you know, uh, not too long ago, I visited Chicago. And Chicago, everybody there, I mean, there's very few people who own cars there. A lot of people are, are, you know, take the public transportation and different things like that. And, uh, you know, we took a lot of Ubers and, and we going back and forth from the hotel to the conference center and different things like that. Um, so that's understandable. Like in a city like that, you're not probably not going to have a vehicle and that's not as necessary. There's a lot of people on bikes and scooters and things like that that I noticed. 
But here in Houston, things are so spread out, right? Or in Texas, things are so spread out. You do need a vehicle because public transportation, for instance, doesn't come all the way out to where I'm at. And so if I just needed to go, you know, uh, you know, a couple of miles down the road, it wouldn't necessarily work for me, though. so that public transportation. So you do need a vehicle, but you need to be smart about it. And so, yeah, we all like the new shiny object, but if you can't afford it, don't do it. You know, um, I had a truck that I drove that sucker into the ground. The dashboard was all cracking and coming apart. It was kind of embarrassing, but man, that it still ran and the AC blew cold and it still, it took care of my needs until it really started breaking down. And so, you know, that, that really, if you can get away with, you know, oh my gosh, I, I'm not driving around the newest thing then try to do that. And when you pay off your vehicle, you can save money. You can save big chunks of money at one time and you can put that towards debt or you can put that towards getting prepared or getting or put that towards a savings to where you can buy a better car, a used car, but pay for it in cash. So the good debt versus the bad debt, you're going to, you know, all the home mortgage, all that kind of stuff, you're going to really need to think about that. But for instance, here in the Houston area, my mortgage that I'm paying right now, and I've you know been living in my house for a while, is a lot less than I would be paying in rent if I was having to rent something, uh, you know, a, a house like this. One of the things that I always heard about that is if you are, uh, you know, if you are planning on moving very soon, you know, like if you are, uh, you're maybe moving to another city in a couple of years, or you know that you're going to be moving, you want to move to another part of the the city or whatever in a couple of years, then don't buy because you know you need to live in a house for a while to recoup, all, you know, all the you know all the expenses and things like that. All right, so moving on, get insurance. I live in Massachusetts where you need car insurance if you own a car. You will also be charged a fee come tax time if you don't have health insurance. I also hold renter's insurance in place of homeowner's insurance. But would I buy these insurances if I wasn't legally obligated to? Yes, I would. You hear terrible stories of families going into massive debt due to an injury, even with health insurance. Car accidents can be partially expensive, especially if you're found to be at fault. Homeowners renters insurance covers damages to your property and accidents inside. I would say you worked hard to get these high expensive items. You should protect them, but really read your insurance, know what it's covered and what it and what isn't. Pet insurance? Mm, I'm not sure. These days vet bills can be as high as human medical bills, but come less often. But your pets are family too. So you got to decide on that pet insurance stuff there. Uh, I know that it can be pretty expensive when when animals go to the vet. But uh, a lot of things here that are, you know, very interesting because when people talk to other people about preparedness, we say that it's insurance. And so we, you know, we're like, do you have car insurance, right? Or do you have home insurance or renter's insurance? And many people will say, yes, we do. Well, then, you know, being prepared is like insurance for for you. And so, um, you know, you got you got to really take this into account. You know, there was times where we were renting and uh, I didn't have renter's insurance and luckily never nothing happened. There was other times where we were renting early on uh, that I did, you know, get renter's insurance because uh, it was just uh, it would have been the smart thing to do. But uh, one of the things on auto insurance that I don't know if anybody's nobody's ever pointed this out to you. This is something to consider. Let's say you're the cause of an accident. But you hit your your reason or whatever the accident that you caused is what I'm trying to say winds up 
damaging maybe three or four cars, right? It's one of those things. Your insurance, a lot of the times, might not cover everything. And so then you would be liable for all the rest. So let's just say one of those vehicles is a very high expensive Mercedes or Lexus. And then you had another big Chevrolet Suburban or whatever. And maybe they're totaled out or whatever happens there. If you have a $100,000 uh, car insurance or auto insurance, that could easily take those two vehicles. And then you, you're you going to be liable. People will sue you for the rest of it if, you know, if that winds up happening. So sometimes you need to look at your insurance and see if you really truly have enough insurance because that's something that uh, people don't always think about. All right, so the next one is safe for retirement. All righty, this is something of a touchy subject in politics lately. That aside, let's assume that Social Security doesn't exist as this is something of a worst case scenario for many. You want to retire? What does it take to get there? Many professionals say you should save 10 to 15% of your salary towards your future retirement. This is all well and good, but the real answer is more nuanced. It requires understanding your current and future lifestyle goals. The benchmark professionals say you need around $2 million in the bank in order to live off the interest. If you have a pension or expect Social Security, this counts towards your $2 million. If you withdraw 3% in interest a year to cover your expenses without tapping into the principal, this gives you $60,000 a year. Of course, we are talking about future dollars account for inflation. Can you live on $60,000 a year? Don't forget you have to pay taxes and likely increased medical bills. You may or may not need to pay rent, mortgage, or children's tuition. You may also want to travel more or spend more money at hobbies with your new free time. So the question becomes, does 10 to 15% of your salary get you to $2 million in time to retire? Of course, I'm not a financial planner or a professional, nor a wizard capable of seeing the future, but I am a mathematician and I can calculate compounding, compounding interest. All right, so the, the way that I feel about retirement, of course, I'm, a, I'm an educator, I have teacher retirement, but can I be very honest with you? I'm not planning on that. I, I'm not planning on that being there. I'm not planning on Social Security being there. Uh, you know, I know that you might be, if you're older and you're listening to this and you might be like, I'm counting on it. Yeah. The thing is, is that retirement, Social Security retirement, that is a fairly new concept in history. Now, I know, I mean, it's modern history, the 1900s, all that kind of stuff. But before that, people would die working. I mean, you just you just worked until you die. And so we have this concept in our minds now that uh, we can retire and, you know, we live the good life. We, we worked 65 years, whatever. And then so the rest of our days, we're off, you know, on the beach, sipping margaritas or pina coladas and, and, and soaking up the sun. And I don't know. I mean, that's just a, a fairly new concept that people have. I'm just not planning on doing that. One, I don't ever think that I could be happy just sitting at home being retired. And, uh, you know, I, I always have ideas and things. Maybe that's when I would uh, kick into real creative mode and have a lot of time to do all those things. But it's fairly it's a fairly new concept. So if you are older and you're able to take advantage of Social Security and all those types of things, then more power to you. You know, I, I believe that it's not going to be around forever. And so you need to really think about that. So if you can fund your own retirement, then that's the way to go. You should be thinking about that. Um, I know that there's people that have rental properties, you know, so when they get older, they can sell those off and live off of them or live off of the rent. 
And so, you know, there's just different things that you can do. But for the most part, you know, I'm not planning on retiring. I don't I don't think that that's going to happen for me. I don't believe that it's going to be there. And so, uh, you know, you've got to do what you got to do and you got to plan for yourself. All right. So the next one is this. Invest in yourself first. Education is the most important thing, period. You can't learn to start a fire in the rain without taking the time to learn. While many consider their education finished when they leave school, this should never be the case. Remember, when you sat in high school and said, now, when am I ever going to use this? Now, you're a bit older and think, man, if they only taught me useful things in high school, like doing my taxes and the difference between a traditional and Roth individual retirement account. Right here is proof that school didn't teach you everything and that you need to keep learning. Invest in your own education and the investment will never be wasted. Of course, this doesn't mean taking on 200000 in debt to get a degree in underwater basket weaving. But there are many ways to continually learn investing in yourself and your future. The free library resources, see my book list below, community and adult education centers, local community colleges, state schools with night classes, online teaching websites, YouTube, blogs, and online content and webinars, etc. I believe firmly in the power of books and that a library card is the best gift you can give a child. Today's library card also unlocks online resources, ebooks, e-audiobooks, free discounted museum passes, movies, tax preparation help, knowledge of community resources, and free internet access. Most libraries also have book sharing programs with other local libraries, giving you access to more than your local library's collection. So she has a list of books here that you could look up at the local library. Financial books to read, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, The Millionaire Fast Lane, The 4-Hour Work Week. I've heard a lot about that one. Never really read that one, but I might look into that one. Good to Great by Jim Collins. That's not really a financial book, but it is a good book to read. Uh, I recommend that one. Uh, the Undercover Economist and A Whole New Mind by David Pink. I, David Pink is a, is a great author. He's got, you know, he does some really uh, heavy lifting, heavy thinking. So, uh, but I've never really gotten into that book there. But uh, that might be an interesting one as well. All right, so the last one is this. Multiple income streams. Protect yourself against the loss of income by having multiple income streams. You could lose your job any day. It's not protected. Companies these days often have little or no loyalty to their employees, even long-term employees. Turn a hobby into a side business or invest in rental property. Of course, I completely understand that this is much easier for those who already work better paying jobs. A person who works two or three jobs or works for low pay or 80 to 100 plus hours a week doesn't have much time left over for hobbies. After an exhausting day, one just wants to eat, take care of their obligations like children's chores, etc., and sleep. It's hard to make time for hobbies, investing, or creating small businesses. I completely understand, but those folks living in this situation need it even more. They don't have the same job security as others and need multiple income streams to ensure a paycheck each week. This is where education comes in and makes this easier. It opens up options. Multiple incomes doesn't necessarily mean multiple jobs. It could also be traditional stock market investments, gigs off of Craigslist, rental properties, blogs, YouTube channels, farmers markets, crafts, babysitting, the neighbors, etc. All right, so I completely, completely agree. You know, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, even if you listen to just this one episode at the very beginning, that was my ebook. 
And so, you know, this is this falls right in line with what I believe. And not too long ago, when I when I finally sat down to finish up that ebook, I realized that having prepper website as a micro business was the thing that helped me get better prepared. And so you might consider that as well. Yeah, if you are working 100 hours a week, you might not have time for it. But even more so, if you can work it in, then that will allow you maybe to cut back on the hours that you're working and do something that you love. There is something that you love to do that people would pay for. You just need to find it. You just need to unlock what that thing is. And so I truly believe that, you know, multiple streams of income is something that you need to have and you need to consider. Now, I I don't necessarily, you know, suggest playing the stock market and those types of things. But, yeah, you can always do a gig off of Craigslist. You can always create something. You can always, you know, offer to just babysitting. If you have an extra room in your house, fix it up and rent it out to someone or put it up on Airbnb or whatever. You can earn a little extra money that way. And that might help you to cut back on all the hours that you're working and maybe allow you, free you up to do some of the things that you, you know, you're really wanting to do that could uh, further your education, further your ability to provide for your family, possibly. So hopefully you take that into serious consideration. If you're right now listening to this and you're like, man, I could use some extra money, then I mean, you know, a micro biz is something that you should consider. All right, so here's the discussion on gold and cigarettes as the new currency. I have read other preppers recommend stocking up on gold or cigarettes or grain alcohol or bullets or scarce commodity. They claim that it will be the new currency after society has collapsed and paper money becomes worthless. However, paper money won't go away the minute a hurricane hits. We know this. After a snowstorm, you can still walk to the nearest hardware store and pay for a snow shovel with cash. Even if they don't have power, they will still take your cash. You can't eat gold. I firmly believe in stock what you use, camp, and trade for what you don't have enough of. I have no need for gold. I can't eat it. Other people can't eat it. I don't stock cigarettes because I don't smoke. Sure, they would be good in a trade, but they take up space in my apartment in the meantime. I would rather stock things I could possibly use, thus reducing the need to barter rather than stock things I won't use at all. If you want to spend your money rather than let it sit vulnerable in an electronic bank, buy land, buy durable goods. You will need it in the future. Buy boots, snow gear, buy long-term foods, buy a second pressure canner, buy extra blankets, extra clothes, buy a second axe, extra chainsaw blades, things you will need that may be hard to get if Amazon stops delivering. But this is just my two cents. All right. So, you know, thinking about that, uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, this weekend. So there was a gentleman and we were talking and sharing a little bit about our lives. And he was he was talking to the young men that were there and he was talking about times when he would spend money on on booze. Right. And so he realized he needed to change his way. So whenever he felt like he needed to go buy booze, he would go to the pawn shop and buy tools and so he's like, now I have every tool that I could possibly need. And he's in construction, right? And he goes, and if I ever need money, well, I can just take some tools to the pawn shop. <laughs> so uh, that kind of reminded me of that when uh, when I was reading it. But uh, yeah, there there is that aspect of uh, you know investing in something that is going has value, like tools. 
Tools have value, man. And tools are, are something that will be very valuable if the poop hits the fan. And I'm not talking about, you know, like power tools and stuff like that. Although if you have a way to charge power tools, that, that would be very helpful. But I'm talking about just regular tools, man. Wrenches, hammers, nails, screws, you know, screwdrivers, all that kind of stuff. Even drills, hand drills. Have you ever thought about that? Like having not necessarily a power drill, but something that uh, that you can do with your hand, but it would drill holes when you, you know, if you needed it for whatever reason. So a lot of good advice here. I hope that you take a little bit of time to think about your financial preparedness because it's a very important topic for preppers. It's not the big sexy preparing for the zombie apocalypse and all that kind of stuff. And it's not as sexy as, you know, building your bug out bag and, and, you know, uh, mapping your bug out location and all that kind of stuff. But it's one of those things that really truly would have a big impact on your life and on your family's life and your overall quality of life. So uh, again, guys, like always, I'm going to link to it, this uh, article in the show notes over at Modern Self-Reliance, and you can go click on that, and you can go uh, read some of the other articles that were linked to. But uh, please, consider your financial preparedness. Um, that is one of the most important things. And as we see things um, just are teetering on the edge out there, you know that's going to be one of the things... So many things out there can affect finances. I mean, the economy can begin to tank on its own just because of uh, the way that people view it and um, people view the uh, the perception in government and all that kind of stuff. But then anything else can cause economy to start uh, start crumbling. You know, something happens in the Middle East, oil, you know, they start talking about more oil, less oil. That can make the economy go or the stock market go up and down. And, and uh, you know, Russia says something and Trump says something and that can cause, you know, waves to go through and people to start panicking and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So financial preparedness is a very, very important part of preparedness. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 431. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me, especially the Facebook group, because I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.